Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is data journalist Will Robinson to talk about a study that seems to suggest buyers' agents steer their clients to listings with higher commission rates. Will, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to have you on. So how long have you been with HousingWire now? I'm officially past 90 days, so just a few months. Nice. And we hired you as our um, data journalist. You have done an amazing job um, creating charts for us and really doing a lot of data visualization that we've never, we weren't able to do before. Yeah, it's fun to, to poke around data and it's fun um, to bring that context to stories and kind of see what the data has to say for itself. One of the things we love that you work on is the Data Digest, which is a newsletter that we put out once a week that's really uh, focused on different data points that people are in our industry, whether it's real estate or mortgage or title appraisal, whatever it is, it's um, it's really pertinent to them. And so this week's, you could not have picked a better topic, which was a study that looks at buyer commission rates. And according to that study, uh, buyer agents did steer their clients according to what they said. So maybe first let's uh, walk through the study and who did it and, and what it found. Yeah, it was, it was a very timely topic and it was, you know, I'm glad they released it when they did. This was a draft of their study that was published um, in mid-October. It was by Jordan Berry, who's a professor of law and taxation at University of Southern California. Will Fried, who's a senior data scientist at True Footage, which is an appraisal tech startup. And John Hatfield, which is the, who's a professor of finance at the University of Texas. And basically, agent steering is a perennial hot topic. It's something that's been asked many times and looked at many times. And what these researchers put forth is saying, really what keeps stymieing all of these looks at this topic is there's no data to really systematically, comprehensively look at this. They pointed to a previous study that indicated it's probably happening, but it was exclusively Boston. So how do you prove that that's true beyond just one metro? So what was new was the National Association of Realtors, as part of a proposed settlement in 2020 with the DOJ, they repealed a rule that kept MLSs from showing the buyer commission rates that sellers were offering when they put their listing on the market. So after that was repealed, then you had sites like Redfin display that data for the first time. So these researchers looked at commission rates all across the country and grouped them by these 34 metros and tried to compare and examine what potential effect is there to not offering a going rate commission to how well your listing does on sites like these. So it was the first time that there was a nationwide look where every single listing that was in the study also had what the buyer or what the seller was offering as a buyer commission rate. So we're going to go into a little bit um, in, in a minute about maybe some of the objections to, to the study. But first tell me, what did, what did the study find? Well, the study found that it was worst if you do not offer the going rate for your market. And they also found a lot of uniformity in what is a market rate across all of the markets in the country. So typically, the buyer agent is going to get between 2 and 3%. Across 34 different metros, the mean of all those different 34 metros was only 0.7% apart. 
I mean, so most of the time you're going to offer between, or you're going to get between two and 3%. If you are not offering what is considered uh, the going rate in your market or the mark or the going rate right below that, what they found was your house takes longer to sell. It has a higher odd or higher chance of not selling at all. And it gets less attention in, in the form of page views on those sites, um, which this, the authors are suggesting is an indication that agents are not steering their clients towards you. They're steering your clients away from you. So you're not getting included in the listings that they're sending to their clients uh, and your property's not getting seen as much. So I know like when I've bought a house before and we've said, hey, here are our parameters, then the realtor in an email every day sends me like, here's your updated list. Here's all the things that came up that you might be interested in. So I'm assuming that's what we're talking about here. Like, you know, they're they're saying, here's here's the things. But then the the big objection would be, Anybody can go on Zillow, anybody can go on Realtor.com, Redfin, different places and find um, properties for themselves. So, you know, are we sure that that's the causation here? Excellent question. And it is one that the researchers pointed out. It is one that when I reached out to Redfin, they made that comment as well, that um, they wouldn't say what percentage of their views are uh coming from agents' recommendations and what percentage is coming from people just looking. But they did say the majority, they feel, of their traffic is coming from people who are just browsing or have signed up for email alerts on the website themselves. Um, What the researchers point out is, you know, we don't know if somebody's just looking on Zillow or Redfin, they could just be browsing for fun. Not everybody who's looking at a home is capable of buying that home or is even interested in buying a home right now. So we don't know what chunk of that is people who are just looking just to look. Um, but on top of that, a lot of people do look for themselves and go find their properties themselves online. And then there's some unknown percentage of people who are looking because their agent sent them a link. So what they pointed out was if there is steering going on, that steering would only affect that percentage of the page views that are coming from people clicking on the links that their agent sent them. And since that's probably not the majority of people who are looking at the site, the effect shouldn't be that big. And what they found was if you're offering below 2%, which is a very small chunk of listings because most people offer at least 2%, the effect nationally in page views is only about an 11% drop, which they think kind of reinforces their findings that if it was like 90%, then you would say that seems like a ridiculous number. But since most of those page views are probably not coming from people clicking on the link their agent sent them, the effect should be smaller. And that's what they found. It's so interesting. Just, having just been at that trial, I can tell you that that is a, that's like a, you know, lighting a, lighting a match to a stick of dynamite, that kind of, you know, correlation, because that's what, that's what the plaintiffs would say is that if you have 95%, they were just looking at Missouri, uh, right. In a certain area, I think it was actually higher than that. 98% of, you know, um, commissions, buyer commissions in a certain range, it, it seemed to them to indicate that there was a conspiracy. Other people felt differently, but this kind, you know, this kind of, um, this kind of data is, is very interesting. So when you reached out to Redfin, they, they weren't really keen on, you know, having their data used in this way, correct? By the study? Yeah, they were actually skeptical uh, and they questioned their own data that got used for it. So Redfin did not participate in the study. They did not give the researchers the data. The researchers scraped the data first. And about six months after they finished scraping their period of scraping data, Redfin actually removed all page view listings from their site in general. And they said, it's not accurate right now. They said 
that the system they were using did not scale appropriately with their traffic and was therefore unreliable. And they said that actually if the researchers had reached out to them for the study, they would have pointed out, don't trust the page view data. Um, and they Redfin intends to put the page view data back up, but only after they have a different methodology and a different protocol. Um, I brought that point to the researchers and asked them about it. And they said they still had confidence in the page view data it, because the page view data behaved as you would expect. So if I'm going to look at a top of the market listing, that's just a really pretty listing. It's probably going to be a lot of page views. There were. If I look at a metro like LA that's more sought after than say like Baton Rouge, there should be more page views. There were. Uh, you would expect that Redfin listings, which get promoted higher when they're first listed, would get more page views than non-Redfin listings on Redfin site. They do. You'd expect page views to taper off over time the longer the listing is on the website. They do. So they behaved in ways that you would expect page views to behave as part of their confidence in it. And they also are only comparing relative page views relative to other ones. Is this page view for a listing with a high commission rate better than a page view for something with a low commission rate. They don't care about the absolute number that this was 115 page views and this was 80 page views. It's just that difference. And so if Redfin rolls out a different metric and it turns out they've got double the page views across their entire website, that doesn't matter as much because relatively they should still be the same. If this goes up to 230 and this goes up to 160, that's the same difference. The absolute number doesn't matter as much. They also pointed out that's only one of the things they looked at. They also looked at time on market, the the odds that it's sold in general, and those are completely independent of the page views. Um, and just for me, as the journalist covering this, really what was interesting to me was just seeing the nationwide data on what were what was being offered for the commission rate. And the, that's just the pure data separate of any of the page view part was just seeing the uniformity across the country of what rates are being offered. So if, I don't know if the study covered this exactly. So if somebody was offering um, for for agents where they were getting paid 3% commission versus agents that were getting 2% commission, that's what it's looking at? Like the, the 2% did worse? Exactly. So they, they chunked them by market because the going rate is not exactly the same in every market. So let's say, you know, if Houston was 2.7, for example, and Seattle was 2.5, I don't recall off the top of my head exactly what those metros numbers were, then the 2.7 would be the going rate categorization in their data. And the 2.5 would be the going rate categorization when they were looking at the other metros data. And so they binned them into four bins, which was going rate, second most common going rate, below going rate, and then just below 2% in general. Uh, and what they found was as you start ticking down that, that scale, you start to do worse. And then when you go below 2%, you do noticeably worse in terms of page views, times on market, and odds of sale. So that was another reason that they felt this was more causality instead of just correl correlation. Is that the lower you go with your rate, the worse you do on all three metros or on all three metrics. I wonder if a buyer's agent would say, "Well, I mean, that in some ways proves their uh, proves their worth." So if you are for sale by owner, for instance, then maybe there's zero on, on that, and you would expect that those would get much worse, you know, days on market, much worse in every category because you don't have a professional representing someone and and driving people there, whether whatever the commission rate, you don't have anybody doing that, right? Yeah, no, that is true. I guess that would be for right now to get on to the MLSs, you had to be offering something. So you would also presume that if you're not offering anything, then you're not on an MLS, which could affect 
you know, how, how long it takes to sell your house as well. And they do point out as well um, that, you know, right now the rule was simply that you just have to offer anything. So if you were literally offering the buyer agent a dollar, you would meet the threshold to be on the MLS, but you don't see anybody offer a dollar. You see people offer very uniformly close to what the market rate is. Um, so, yeah, so this is this is just the subset of, of those that are offering something for the buyer agent um, and are within the MLS world. Gotcha. So all of these people had a, a buyer's agent where they wouldn't be offering even a dollar. So so what were some of the outliers when you looked at it? So we have this uniformity across there. Are, are there some markets that are just, you know, much less? Not so much. So uh, there was there was there was more of a difference. Um, what the researchers looked at was the going rate percent in your market and then the second most common. If you look at across all markets were listings meeting at least the two most common? The answer is by far yes, and very uniformly yes. So the lowest on that scale was about 72% of listings, I think it was in Cleveland, had at least those, were at one of those two rates. Um, whereas you went on the other end of the spectrum, it was 97.5% or something. It's like, it's very, very high. There is more variance between some markets that almost exclusively offer just the going rate versus a city that offers the top two going rates. There was more differentiation than that, but almost uniformly across the whole country, you were offering one of one of two top rates in your metro. When you started looking at this data, did anything surprise you when uh, from what you when when you were like, let me let me take a look at this? I mean, I, I do think the uniformity was kind of like, a, wow, this is extremely <laughs> uniform, um, and especially just that that magic number of two percent. There's just very few listings in general that offer 2%. And then those are the most dramatic findings of them. If you do offer below 2%, it's a noticeable change on performance and all the other ones. Um, So I do think it was just interesting. It it, it was convincing to move you beyond anecdotes to see so many metros behave the exact same way. I, I would say that part, I think, jumped out at me. So the NAR argument would obviously be that, you know, in the age of the internet, anybody can go on and find anything. And so what would be the, what would be the counter to that, that there's really no way to steer? So it is an interesting point. And it's um, something that the researchers were familiar with. And they bring in, you know, some investigative journalism that was done in Canada. They bring in some of these recorded Rex calls with agents um, that have been a subject of different lawsuits. But basically their point was the opportunity to steer does not end when in just steering your client to a listing that you send them. So in some of the examples in these calls, you would have a, a, a client find a property that they liked on Zillow or some similar website. They would send it to their agent. The agent would call to see what the situation was as far as the commission rate. If they didn't get the answer they liked, they might, they on some of the calls were saying, I'm just going to tell my client it's sold. You have other examples where, you know, maybe you find, 12 properties that your client could like, and they add three that they would like, and you just start with the 12 that you found, and maybe you don't get to the three that they found. Or you say, well, I wanted to do it, but I keep calling the guy. They won't like help me with a lockbox or whatever it is. There's other ways for you to steer them around it once they've found it was the point. Because if the buyer is finding, you know, this is in a lot of ways invisible to the buyer. If the buyer ends up with a property that they like, they're not seeing any harm. They're not going to like, comb through all these listings to see if there were other properties that they might have liked because they have a house that they're happy with. They're, they're done with this process. And the money for you as the agent is coming out of the seller's pocket. So they're not very motivated to go look further. And also on top of that, until very recently, 
they couldn't see what the buyer agent was getting commission rate wise on all of the listings that they find. So they have no idea that they didn't end up seeing the ones with the lowest commission rates. They just know that uh, we didn't get to that property. So there are still avenues for steering beyond just, you know, a client exclusively saying those things that you send them. You included an audio clip um, in this story. And I thought that was wild that um, they got somebody on tape saying that, that obviously they, the, I think the audio came from a, a former lawsuit. Is that correct? I'm not sure if it was made available before the lawsuit or after the lawsuit, but it was included in the lawsuit. So it was, it was by a company Rex. Um, I don't think they're, I don't know if they exist anymore, but they, they were, they were offering a completely different structure and a different way of finding listings. And therefore they were, the, the effect would be the commission rates would go way down. They were using different AI methods to try to match you and they would not offer anything. So they were not on the MLSs and they were, but they were on sites like Zillow or they were just advertising it online themselves. And so when agents would find these listings, they're like, why can't I find this in the MLS? They would call Rex. Rex recorded hundreds of calls. There were about at least 700 recordings of these calls. Um, and they said on about a, about a tenth of them, people would just hang up once they found out this wasn't a normal MLS commission rate in general. But you had these other people continue to talk on the call and they would say, like, are you kidding me? This is, this is, why would I do that? That's, that's going to hurt my commission rate. Um, because Rex's intention was you would get it. The, the buyer would pay for the buyer agent, uh, essentially. And so, um, that was that did, that then became part of a class action suit. And uh, I honestly don't recall who the plaintiff and defendant was between Zillow and, and Rex on one of those. But I know that Zillow came out ahead on the recently on the result of that particular lawsuit. Um, Sorry, just to be clear on on that phone call, it wasn't Rex agents saying it. It was other agents calling into Rex to find out something. Correct. They normally. The, so I listened to about six or seven calls and they all started with. Hey, I'm representing a buyer. I found this listing or they found my client found this listing on Zillow. I can't find the listing on the MLS. Are you guys listing it there? And usually it would be, no, we're not because we do this different structure. And then the very next question was, do you cooperate with the normal rate? And it would be, no, we're doing this. And they would explain it. And then that's when you got the different reactions that were in some of the recorded calls. So interesting. And and to your point, it's a black box when you're a, a consumer and you're looking because a lot of things on Zillow, when you even what you can find, you're like, it already sold. Like it's still on there, right? That's one of the knocks against them versus say realtor.com, which at least when I go on, have gone on realtor before, it's very uh, more updated. Like it's in pending status, it's in sold. So you can filter those out and not fall in love with a house that's not really available. So, which I've done. Exactly. Um, so I think that that's the thing is like one of the things that the lawsuit really brought up, um, the one that just happened, of course, there's many going on is that you know, the transparency is not there. So that the buyers at the end of the day really don't know what what's happening. And some of it is on the consumers themselves. You could you could find out, you could talk to your agent about, so how much do you get paid for this? So, so what does that look like? Most people are very uncomfortable with that, right? But even when you think about the fact that you don't have the transparency to know, like, is this still available? Is it is it really that it, you know, it sold or they're off market or whatever? Mm-hmm. And really, you're just really not motivated to do any of this work if you are the buyer. This is not coming out of your your money, and this is you know the seller is going to have to pay this this chunk to the agent. You're just trying to find the home. If you found the home that you want, then 
you don't consider yourself harmed, you might not even know that you were harmed in the sense of you didn't actually get to see the property you might have liked even better because it wasn't offering the agent enough. You don't know any of that. So you have no motivation to to investigate any of this. Well, that might be changing now. <laughs> if, if you're paying for it, I, I bet that some of these things change, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you're more, and you're more motivated to then negotiate what you pay and how much you pay. Uh, and that is, that is um, so the study does end with some recommendations policy-wise, and that is, that is an area that they get into. So what are some of those recommendations? Yeah, so they have about four, and they admit some of them are probably going to be low impact. So one of them, but it is a lot of, of mainly the visibility aspect, the transparency aspect. One of, the, one of the, their recommendations was remove the rule that it's a requirement to offer something to the buyer agent in order to get on an MLS. They see that kind of as a starting ground. They don't think that would necessarily do too much because actually the Northwest MLS, which covers Seattle, already did that. They did that in 2019. And Seattle is one of the metros in this study, and it looks exactly like every other metro in the country. So clearly that did not do much. But they basically say, well, that's probably a starting ground, though, just to, to, to remove that rule. Another one is the visibility of the buyer agent commissions. So mostly that's a negotiation going on with the seller and the the seller's agent of what should we offer when we put this up for listing. That's not something that is seen as much, um, especially until recently by the buyer. So again, the buyer would not know that if there were 10 properties I wanted to see and you only showed me seven, I have no idea as the buyer that the three I didn't see offered the lowest commission rates. So then I have no reason to question you as my agent because I don't have the information that those are the reasons you didn't show me that house. So changing that where it's emphasizing the visibility of that of that percentage to the buyer is another element. Um, they also point out, so two of the researchers that were interested in this have done other studies on other what they call collaborative or interdependent economies where it's where there are persistent and sticky rates. So they mentioned like initial public offerings, the rates that are set in the initial public offerings are pretty uniform and pretty sticky. Um, because there's this interdependence between the people who always have to work together with each other on those. And it's similar with real estate. You're going to be a buyer agent. You're going to be a seller agent. You need to work with other seller agents. You need to work with other buyer agents. And so there is the opportunity for this collective punishment if you're not playing ball and you're not going along with the going rate. I have a reason collectively to not want to work with you. So one of the things they pointed out is, or one potential uh, change that they, they offered was if after the sale goes through, you remove the historical data of what that commission rate was. So then if I offered a discount or I offered a rebate when I sold that house, there's no opportunity for you to not want to work with me because you don't know what I accepted as my rate on that sale. So two different kind of sides of the coin of the visibility question on that. Um, another one was just enforcement where you're having big nationally, you know, national attention, guilty verdicts like you just had in Sitzer. Um, if you're bringing more enforcement actions, if you're bringing them in a more public way, that's another way they think to kind of affect the rates that are charged. And then the last one would say that would be a very drastic change, but it's within, in this era that we're in, it's within what's being talked about is you just completely remove that aspect of the market in which the seller pays for the buyer's agent. So if you prohibit the seller from actually offering any buyer agent then now the buyer agent has to go to the buyer for their money. And now that becomes a negotiated price between the buyer and the buyer agent. 
and the seller is no longer paying for their counterparty's fees, um, which would be very different. But they do think that is something that would that would put downward pressure on what is paid. Well, and that's a possibility, right? We don't know how um, how these mm-hmm. lawsuits are, you know, what the end result is going to be. And we're only through one. And I think there's three total. And that's not even talking about, you know, if the DOJ gets involved. So again, they've already been involved. So yeah. <laughs> it could go that way. Well, Will, thank you so much for um, walking us through this. And thanks for this great deep dive. Um, everyone, I would encourage you to sign up for our Data Digest newsletter Will writes it every week. And also he's out there looking around for different data points that are going to be impactful to your business. Not just interesting, but like, you need to know this. This is going to impact your business in some way. And then he makes it look so nice and interesting. And the the charts move. They're interactive. You can click on stuff. It's really, it's really cool. So Will, thanks for being on. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. We'll see you back here on Monday for more news and insight.